disappointed today. Why? I had, I think, a 17 day Virgil winning streak. <laughs> okay. In the last two days, I've failed. I have heard that, like, since it moved over to the New York Times, it's, like, became, like, really annoying. I fully agree with that conspiracy. <laughs> Is it not just because they're spelling things the wrong way? Well, no, it's not. It's, for example, we're recording this on the 17th of February. Yeah, what was the 16th word? The 16th, the, well, the first one for the 16th was colk. Colk? So Is that the stuff that you use to, like, they have it in, like, a colk gun, isn't it? It's like yes. something. Yeah, but we don't call it colk. We call it, like, sealant, don't we? So, yeah. So, therefore, I was like, I don't know what that is. So, that's why I didn't get the word. Did you Google it? I, in the end, I had to Google it because I didn't know what it was. I could have told you what colk was. And the other today was, and this is an easy word, it was shake. However, shake, shake, shake. I got the S H A space E, so I got four of the words with about three guesses to go. But do you know how many words there are? <laughs> Shape, shade, shade. Uh. So I failed. I chose them all apart from blum and shake. Okay. So I'm disappointed. Coming from a woman who can barely spell her own name, <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. But I wouldn't be able to and get a we haven't even started the podcast for two minutes in, and I'm just, Wordle is both great and ruining my life. <laughs> it's nice to see that Jordan is actively working on his career and not just a game online. I am feeding the mind. You're feeding the algorithms. (laughs) Well, we might as well start the show. This is His Film, Her Movie. I'm Jordan. And I'm Lauren. And we are the podcast that answers the question, to what lengths will one married couple go to to make the other watch some films that they love? Yes. It's our fourth episode of Heist Season. Yes, we did miss last week, but that was because of me. I came back from my trade fair, my feet hurt, um, I was full of cold. And I was very tired. Yes. And I just, I was just probably not a great person to be around for a couple of days, <laughs> according to Jordan. And um, because I was full of cold, I snored like an ice road trucker after a few beers one yep. night, which I, now I spoke to people at work about this and they said, if you didn't record it, it didn't happen. All right. So they just think that you were just lying just to make me feel bad, just because you snore. <laughs> They were like, well, you said Jordan snores all the time, so maybe he's just telling you that to make you feel guilty, and you do feel guilty. The walls shook. <laughs> I was, I had, I was so full of cold. Not COVID, <laughs> full of cold. So I'm full of cold. I'm not blaming you at all. I'm just saying it happened, and it was monstrous, but I still love you. <laughs> did the cat abandon me? It did, she did. <laughs> it was that bad. Oh, my God. I'm none of this. <laughs> So it is the fourth episode of High Season, which means yes. it means it is your choice. Yes, it is. And we all know that I picked the greatest of films. <laughs> what are we covering this week? The 2007 masterpiece <laughs> that is St. <Saint> Trinian's. <laughs> yes. 
Jim Arterton, <laughs> Russell Brand. Tallulah Riley. Yeah, Vehicle, Rupert Everett. <laughs> but we'll get on to that later. Um, yeah. As we always do start the podcast, we are a podcast of Pod Syndicate. So mm-hmm. you can go over to wearepodsyndicate.com, check out all those other great shows. Go over to His Film, Her Movie, follow us on socials, Instagram, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Apple Podcast Reviews, brilliant. Leave us though. Leave five stars if you do not mind. And I believe you can rate shows on Spotify now. Oh, can you? So go on, just be generous and rate us on Spotify as well. Yeah, give us five stars, please. Exactly. It's just that extra 30 seconds whilst you're on the toilet. Spend it rating us on Spotify. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> we do appreciate it. So we might as well get into the show. Mm-hmm. What has been keeping you entertained over over the last couple of weeks? Okay, what has been keeping me entertained? Um, As usual, murder. Yes. Uh, Not as much murder. Good. Not as much murder this time. A bit more cheery. Um, I've been reading. Love love reading. Really Mm -hmm. good. And then whilst we've been watching things, we have been, been watching a couple of things together. We have. We watch TV shows. We have, but um, by myself, I started watching Investigating Anna mm-hmm. on Netflix about the fake heiress who swindles people out of thousands upon thousands of dollars. Really good. Um, nice and trashy. And I also like the fact that it's based on like a real, real thing. Mm-hmm. Like I told mom it was based on a real thing. And she was like, no, but it says everything's true apart from everything that's made up. And I was like, yeah, her story is made up. <laughs> if you Google it, it's based on a real thing that happened. Get the pun. <laughs> Mother. Love you. Yeah. But then together we've been watching two TV shows. Yes. Quite a bit. We have been watching on Netflix Love is Blind. Oh, yes. And it's um, just utter, like, trash. It's great. It is. It's, we recently got into, although we didn't finish the season, we got into The Bachelorette. Yeah. But as we discussed, they're like 90 minutes long an episode. Yes. So each night it was like watching a film and we just did not have the time and energy to watch a woman fawn over 12 of the same men, basically. Yeah. And like. And look cold. She looked cold <laughs> in like every scene. It's like, yeah. give that woman a coat. And this is kind of like that. I mean, the for those who don't know, the premise of the show is that men are in a different dormitory than the women. They meet, but they meet in these pods, so they don't get to actually see, actually see each other. They get to talk, they get to bond, they get to connect. And then after a certain amount of time, depending on who you connect with, Somebody can ask the other one to marry them. It's usually a matter of days. Yeah, it's usually a matter of days. So they would then propose, and then the day after that proposal, it's four weeks until their wedding. Yeah. And it is a good premise for a show, but it's also one of those examples of how this could never happen in the UK. Oh, my God, no. It's... Like, we've got that whole, uh, was it, uh, was it the... Married at first sight thing. Yeah, but that's married at first sight Australia. That's no, we've one. done it here as Are well. They? We've had a couple of seasons in the UK, but we've not really, it's not been quite as big. But if they did Love is Blind here, 
It would be an absolute car crash. It, it, it's just, for me, that it's the sheer earnestness of them all. And it, I don't stuff think that comes I out of their it. mouths is, they say it with straight faces. Now, I don't know if they're being coaxed by the EPs and being mm-hmm. really well manipulated. Mm-hmm. But it's just how much they believe what they're seeing is beyond me. Okay, if you were in Love is Blind, yeah. what would be your opening question to somebody? God, put me on the, ship, on the spot. I know. Do you know what? It would probably be something like, what would your ideal concert be? Or something around that sense. Okay. That, 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 and if I answered with Fallout Boy or My Chemical Romance, you'd be like, nope, out that door, away from that email I, I would, free. I would, I would expect you to, when I first saw you, to have like proper... White sinked hair, yeah. everything, black mm. lipstick, proper eyeshadow. I do have proper eyeshadow. But no, but I'm talking like goth style eyeshadow. <laughs> Sunken <laughs> eyes. <laughs> Doesn't go outside. Oh no, that's me anyways. Um <laughs> I think for me, my question would be, what was the last book that you read? Because Good to me, show. I don't care if you turned around and you were like, Oh, I read like I don't know, Piers Morgan book. <laughs> Whilst that is a red flag, the fact that you picked up a book and you read it, yeah, yeah. to me, shows... It, you, you, it shows that like you actually do read and you actually you have an attention span to do Yeah, that. exactly. And I feel like, even if you were like, I read it on a Kindle, but like, yeah, you still read a book. Yeah. Okay, that is great. Love that for you. Um, I think it's a really big red flag if somebody goes, oh, I just don't read yeah, at all. Because I'm like, well, you're going to drown in books in our house. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, so Love is Blind. So I, it's one of those car crash TV shows that... Leaves you shouting at the TV. Yeah, it does. And I get really irate when, it's, when it comes down to awkwardness. Jordan can't watch, um, what is it? Uh, well, I, don't I Tell the Bride. I can't watch Don't Tell oh the Bride. Oh my God, you get so angry at Don't Tell the Bride. It's because if somebody doesn't know the other person, like to know what their perfect wedding would be, then why are they with them? They've obviously been with them for years. It's yeah. either one, they're hugely selfish. Yeah. Or two, they shouldn't be getting married because they don't know the other person. Thank you. Yeah, that is very true. I just find it really funny to watch you getting like really frustrated and shouting at like some chavs on the TV. Great. <laughs> right. But what else have we been watching? <laughs> we watched Pam and Tommy. We have been watching Pam oh and Tommy. Oh my yes. God. Honestly, this week, all I've been saying to the girls is, have you watched Pam and Tommy yet? I mean, they've said, no, I've gone, you need to watch it. And then you need to wait for episode two. Yes. Brilliant. I'm Brilliant. actually enjoying the show. It's all it's It's a like really... a Jackie Collins novel come to life. Yeah. It, it's it's salacious and it's fast paced and it it's just showing you a, a bit of a probably a dramatized, over dramatized version of what happened. Definitely. But, but it is a time capsule. And we can we've got a couple of films we can talk about time capsules on um, this week, but it just makes you think of the 90s because it just feels oh God, so yeah. 90s. Like, I saw so many people on TikTok saying about how the, um, like, the, the the music and everything behind it, like, oh, this is amazing, it sounds so good, it's so 90s, and I'm sitting there going, 
I remember when this song came out, like, I'm really, really old. I feel <laughs> so, so old. Um, Lily James mm. just looks amazing. She looks, she is like, no disrespect to any of the other actors in this, but she is great. She is definitely like a, the standout. Yeah, the, the, that just shows you when every makeup, every prosthetic award go on. Brilliant. And Sebastian Stan just gets his bum out. It's great. I've never, I would never have thought I would have seen the Winter Soldier in a thong so much. So many thongs. So many thongs. Yeah, I mean, I wonder when the first time Tommy Lee wore a thong, I said, you know what, I kind of like this, because he seems to do it a lot. He does, and the thing is, though, speaking from a female perspective, mm -hmm. they don't seem to look like very comfortable thongs. I can't see it being comfortable. They don't look comfortable. There seems to be of a lot of, like, elastic up the bum sort mm -hmm. of thing going on. Not that I'm looking. But <laughs> it just you doesn't look... look <laughs> I can look... There you go, ladies and gentlemen. I can look at Sebastian Stan's <laughs> bum all I want. But um, yeah, they just don't look very comfortable. And I don't know if that's because they are, they, they look very 90s. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, and that, or if that was just because that was just the style that Tommy Lee obviously wore. But yeah, but so I, I like so I like the, the idea behind <clears throat> it's been talked about a lot, but it's, it's where does the blame lie? And it's the fact that is. Yes, it's with the people who stole the tape, and mm -hmm. yes, it's like kind of with Tommy for being such a douche. Mm -hmm. But it 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 shows the innocent party, but also not only the innocent party of it all, but the person who got affected by it the most in yeah. a negative sense. Yeah, and and I do think like especially at that time, there's like, we just watched one episode, and uh, Lily James is like um, asking uh, Tommy. You're, why are you so calm about this? And she's like, people in the street will high five you. People in the street will call me a slut. Yeah. And I really, really hope that people who thought that of her watch this because I know that she's. I know that she didn't support this, but I can't think it doesn't make her look bad no. in any way. She probably just doesn't want to relive it. But yeah, which I can completely understand. It was been absolutely horrific for her, but I really feel like now that we've kind of moved on and hopefully. People are starting to think about things a bit differently and how they view people. I, I actually, yeah, well, I think that also because it is so prevalent in normal society now, you got to think about how technology is passed on and cell phones yeah. and, you know what I mean? It's like we've, we've went past the, the idea of, like, hackable leaks of, of celebrities. It, it, it where, just where, made where, me feel bad. It was, it was just Pamela Anderson at that time. Yeah. For a fair few years, she was. The only one. The only one who had had that. High scale of a, a leak like that, yeah, but it does. It makes me feel like because obviously, like we we were kids when it mm. happened, so I didn't really know anything about it. Obviously, you hear about it when you get older. It really, really made me feel like sorry for her and mm. want to like yeah. kind of like know more about her because you only kind of know the sort of stuff that was in like trashy magazines well, and things and, again, and tabloids. It, it was and the start never... of the tabloids in the 90s and things like yeah, that. Yeah. And... and she was, uh, for a good few years, she was the pin-up of the 90s. Oh, God, yeah. She was, and she is iconic. She is. Um, but, yeah, I feel like this, to me, it's kind of humanised her a bit. Mm -hmm. It's kind of gone, we just see this amazing-looking woman looking amazing and then this sort of stuff happening to her. But because she's not on social media, we don't see... All the back stuff, we don't see what's happening. 
or anything like that. And so we're talking about serious things here, but the show's funny. It's it's not like a serious drama. It's got hijinks in it. It's got stupid characters. Yeah. It's got dumbness. So therefore, it, it's an enjoyable watch. It's not like a hard watch. It's not no. um, like a real... It's not preaching. Psyche. It's not preaching. Exactly. That's a good shout. It's not preaching, but it's done in a way that you see who the real victim was, mm-hmm. which I think is something that has been missing from that narrative for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And so like, I've watched a lot since we last recorded just because that's what happens when I've been two weeks' time. So I'm going to be a bit... And and when he has no wife around the house. That's it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be a little bit selective with my picks. But the first thing that I want to talk about is a rewatch of Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, really? Um, the story of a washed-up TV Western star as he tries to cling onto his floundering career... Um, in the beginnings of the new Hollywood movement of the late 60s. Mm-hmm. Now, we went to see this film in the cinema. Yeah, and it was the first Tarantino film I'd actually ever seen in the cinema. Mm. Everything else I'd sort of seen on TV and on streaming and on DVD. So. And that's it. And, and, and I loved it then. And I loved it even more when I watched it again when it hit iTunes. And this is a, you know what? I loved it even more this time around. There's There's an excellent reclining ambience to it mm-hmm. if that makes sense I, I just want to grab a beer sit down and just soak myself into the world that tarantino creates in this mm-hmm. um and I, I love the characters too rick dalton and cliff booth the the perfect yin and yang oh yeah definitely. kind of characters you've got the ego and the anxieties that leonardo dicaprio brings to his like stressed artist and the laid-back coolness that Brad Pitt brings to his character. So, like, just somebody who is so happy to sit in the background and just live every day as it comes. It's mm-hmm. a play off, They play off each other really, really well. And, like, even if this film was Brad Pitt driving through L.A. at night for 160 minutes, I would love it. <laughs> um, a few flashes of feet every now and then to yeah, keep Tarantino exactly. happy. And it, it's definitely one that if you if you prefer Tarantino's earlier films like Pulp Fiction, like Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill, etc., and you enjoy the more plot-driven, faster narrative Tarantino, then mm-hmm. this you might not get on the film's frequency. Mm-hmm. And but as a person who did, and you know what, like it might, it might be sacrilege to say, but fast forward fifty years, and. Imagine looking back at Tarantino's career. I really think that it's his later films that will be appreciated more than his earlier ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, his earlier ones are and were so important to American cinema, but I actually think he has grown as a filmmaker and as a storyteller mm-hmm. throughout it. I mean, like this, there's, there's Django, which I also rewatched. Love Django. And it remains one of the most watchable experiences that, that you can have. It's it's a rare case where every single scene is just a banger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, everything's got, every scene has got something in it that just really, it's just high quality after high quality. And then you've got Inglorious Bastards. Um, I think that's my favourite. See, for me, Hollywood is probably actually my favourite Tarantino, mm-hmm. followed by Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards was the very, very first 
uh, Tarantino film I'd ever seen. Mm. And I still think it's like my favorite. There's so many quotable bits yes. in it. And I I kind of love the whole alternate universe of the World War Two and everything. I love the style of it. Uh, so I like how he lets scenes breathe. Like yes. you've got the opening, which is just a great opening with Christos Waltz. Love him, plays a great Nazi. And then you've got the extended scene of Fassbender and um, Diane Kruger when they're mm-hmm. playing the card game with the Nazi officer. And it just builds up tension Oh yeah, so, so well. Um, but back to Hollywood, it's like that era is so <clears throat> fascinating with – the end of the the, the post World War Two mm-hmm. era, the, um, the hippie culture, and th- well, the act that pretty much, although I know this doesn't in fact go down that real world avenue, but it's the act that ended that mm-hmm. subculture of hippie movements mm-hmm. um, was the events of um, CLO Drive mm-hmm. uh, and the Manson family, and and you can't really talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood without talking about the ending. And I know it's still relatively recent, but I'm going to spoil a, what, a three-year-old movie <laughs> because, I mean, the film really does explode with its finale. And it's it's like a, it's like a heavy cloud that hangs over the movie as we return to Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate over mm-hmm. and over. And we as an audience know her real-world fate. Mm-hmm. So just kind of waiting. And you're waiting. And given that this gives us this alternative ending and the fact that it's super violent and the Manson family decide not to go to Sharon Tate's but to go to Rick Dalton's house mm-hmm. um, and basically show Hollywood up in the same way. But the fact that, yeah, it, it's super violent and brutal and Cliff and his dog pretty much beat their skulls into a pulp. The flamethrower. And then you and then you got Rick burns somebody alive with a flamethrower and flamethrower. And even though it is this shocking violence, there is a sense of catharsis about it. Yeah, it's like those people are getting what they deserve because in real life, that didn't happen to them. And On the screen, it. it is. And and I think that that didn't happen. And again, it's... It's a bit of like a sensual, bloodthirsty revenge. Yeah. It's, it's fantasy living out of saying, right, okay, we aren't going to give you the time of day to showcase, to show what you actually did because it's too disgusting. Yeah. So therefore, and what they actually did to Sharon Tate is... Is worse it, than it, anything that Tarantino has ever shown. Yeah. So therefore, to, to make those characters get their comeuppance in a way, even though in a, in a, in a fantasy alternate universe, there's, there is just something really reassuring and, and nice about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Second film I want to talk about, and this is a little blast from the past for me, and one I actually found on YouTube. Okay. So I watch it on YouTube of all places, and this is a film called Up and Under, and it's the film adaptation of John Godber's Olivier award-winning play. Mm-hmm. about a bet that an ex-professional rugby player can train the worst local rugby side in the area to beat the best, most feared team, the Cobblers Arms. Okay. And there are a few names in, in here that you, you won't have heard of for quite a while. The first being Gary Olsen from 2.4 Children fame. Yeah. Neil Morrissey. Yeah. The Mr. 
men behaving badly himself. Mm-hmm. Samantha Janis. Who's she from? Samantha Janis was, if you saw her face, you'd know her. She ended up coming back and being in EastEnders. I actually think it, she's she's been married since, so she might not be called Samantha Janis anymore. Um, and you've got Richard Ridings, to name, like I said, to name a few. The latter, who I actually haven't seen in anything for years. And after a quick Google, I found out that he is actually the voice of Papa Pig in Peppa Pig. <laughs> so he was obviously just rolling in it, turning up to work, getting his getting his pounds in, yeah, and not really being in much of the else. Which fair play, I think he's getting on now. But yeah, up and under is your typical misfits come good sports movie. Yeah, but this one really isn't one that I watch for the story. It's the very British, very northern style of humour. Um, that runs through it, um, like runs through its like muddy veins. Uh, every scene delivers like a couple of things that you'll find yourself giggling in. I mean, it takes place in in Yorkshire, um, and, and like especially the the, the team that we chief armed, which is this misfit this misfit team, and, and it does do the impossible because it makes Neil Morrissey himself like a likable cheeky, <laughs> yeah, like, like charming presence, which. It baffles me to this day. But you've also got Samantha Janis now, who plays this local gym owner who agrees to train the team, mm-hmm. get them up fit for, for this showdown that they have at the end. And, well, it, it all comes flooding back because it's might have had that influence on my sexual awakening at, like, what, a 12-year-old. Samantha Janis? Samantha Janis now. Was, right, I've just Googled her. Was she married to one like one of the Mitchells at some point? I think so. Wasn't most of EastEnders married to one of the Mitchells at maybe. some point? Maybe. But the, 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 there is a scene in this where God. Um, Neil Morrissey sneaks in to um, and kind of watches her in a shower. So he's a dirty perv. He's then. a dirty perv. But but like that scene itself was like, as a twelve year old kid when this film came out, my mind was blown. It was just sort of like. It, it definitely, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great scene. This is why I locked the bathroom door. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and to be honest, it's one of those films also where it definitely tried to cash in on the popularity of that working-class British comedy that The Full Monty opened up oh, in 97. Okay. Yeah. Um, and all those didn't get anywhere near, and I mean anywhere near, the the, the popularity of The Full Monty or the money that the mm-hmm. Full Monty got. I mean, the Full Monty... I the Full believe, Monty was based on, like, a real story, though. It can, yeah, it kind of was. But the Full Monty... I be, There was a time, I think, where the Full Monty was the most profitable film in history because it cost nothing, but it became a worldwide phenomenon. Oh, yeah. Like, I think it made, like, $300 million worldwide. I'd love to see some of the subtitles. And I, don't think, I, think, actually, I think it was nominated for Best Picture that year as well, which is bonkers in itself. <laughs> But yeah, I, it's, I think Up and Under has, it's not a perfect film, but it has a lot of heart. And like the final climactic rugby game, mm-hmm. and I will take this opinion to the grave with me, Okay, has one of the funniest things I think has ever been put on screen. And I can't describe it, but even now when I watch it, and I remember laughing back then, <laughs> right. it's so stupid. But 
now I'm thinking about it, it just makes me smile. I, I'll have to show you it because it's just brilliant. But also, the soundtrack you've got. Please tell me it's like Oasis and all that sort of stuff. No, it's, it's, I think it's even it's even better. It's even more of it. Like, again, I was saying Time Capsule. You've got Freak Power on there. You've got Cast. You've got E17. James, oh, my God. Love a bit of E17. The Beautiful South. Yes. The bloody lighthouse families there. Yes, I mean it's a literal who's who of like the British movie scene. Yeah, of the nineties, and yeah, it's just one of those movies where I don't think I can be massively critical over it because the nostalgia for it is just so strong mm-hmm. that yes, I can point out where things like it's unoriginality, but it makes up for it in its characters mm-hmm. and it's. Very relatable characters. Like, you know people who have those sorts of personalities. Yeah. And that camaraderie between the group, especially in, in team sports. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, up and under. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. Just type it in. It's 90 minutes and you will have a good laugh. And the final one that I want to talk about is the most recent one because it only came out on Friday. And I went to see Uncharted. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I completely forgot. <laughs> Starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg as the Marky famed, Mark. Marky Mark as the famed video characters, video game characters, Nathan Drake and Sully from the Uncharted PlayStation series. And this one was pretty much a Sunday afternoon. There's nothing to do. Let's just go see it out of pure curiosity things. It's the big movie of the week. I wasn't especially. I love how what you when you described it when I came home and I asked you how was it and you went, physics do not exist exactly. in this universe. Exactly, and and that's it. So I mean, I I had no preconceptions. I hadn't played the video. I hadn't played the video games. So mm-hmm. I knew it'd been in development hell for years and years, like fifteen years that we've been trying to make this movie. Oh, okay. Um. So far, like so much so that Mark Warburg was meant to play Nathan Drake's character at one point. <laughs> he was... and, now, and now he's the older <laughs> character. So you've got Tom Holland as Nathan Drake, this young, petty thief bartender. Mm-hmm. And Mark Warburg as Sully is a wisecracking treasure hunter. And Sully tracks down Nathan because he's done some work with Nathan's older brother, who. Nathan hadn't seen for years and he's trying to find the gold at the centre of the myth that um, Ferdinand Magellan's crew supposedly hid this gold they they found when they were completing the first voyage around the world in, in the 16th century. And on the other side, and you've always got to have that other group who are trying to find the same gold that the heroes mm-hmm. are fine. You've got Antonio Banderas Love as him. the rich Santiago Moncada, who is also looking so after the, is looking for the gold after their family who bankrolled the Magellan um, circumnavigation back in the 16th century. No offense, but I feel like his family need to like let that grudge go. It has <laughs> been like a few centuries. Well, it was like the reason why they. Again, in this film, it's not in real life. The reason why they financed his circumnavigation was because they were trying to find this gold for the for the Mercados. Oh, okay. So therefore, when they did find the gold, they hid it from them and said there was no gold. Right. Okay. But 
So there we are. But <clears throat> it's a bit Indiana Jones. It's a bit Pirates of the Caribbean. It's a bit National Treasure. And again, like kind of like Up and Under. It's 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 unoriginal, mm-hmm. but it's not hampered by its lack of originality. These types of films don't need to be original. Mm-hmm. They need to deliver some charm, a couple of characters that you care about, some memorable set pieces, and they want they need to leave you wanting to watch another. Yeah. And this exactly does that. I mean, don't get me wrong, again, it's it's not a great movie. And as you mentioned, it's one of those action films where physics seemingly do not exist. Some of the movements and some of the jumps and things are just bonkers. But he's Spider-Man. But he is Spider-Man, yeah. It is Peter Parker, does Daughter of the Explorer. That's exactly <laughs> what this film is. Maybe a few, a few less webs. But again, like, like um, Tom Holland does a lot of his own sort of stuff, so probably but, just going to use that. In the it. film. and But I actually think it's, and you, you can let it slide a bit in this, because <clears> given <throat> that it comes from this video game franchise that is famous for its quick time events. Mm-hmm. So these events of video games where you have to time pressing the button at a certain time, like a certain moment. Okay, and you'll yeah. jump and you'll do whatever. And in the video games, it's over the top and very... Is it like the ones where if you like jump to... Too soon, like you'll just like fall dramatically to your death or something. Yeah, but again, you press it and then you you can just continue on with that sort of quick time event. And yeah, so it it is big scale blockbuster dumbness, but the final third act, like the 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 big set piece, is superb. Oh, good. Visually, it's brilliant. It's got a great pacing to it. it. It's got some really good action mm-hmm. and yet it just works and yet tom holland is basically peter parker in it but i can live with that and Warburg as this sarcastic father figure i'm all for it you can do way worse than sticking this on for two hours on a saturday night and i would watch another in a second that's good. I guess like the actors themselves are very consistent in their films. Mm. So you know that you're going to get something where they've put in the effort, they've learnt the stuff, it's going to be bankrolled well, that type of thing. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it does get a sequel. Uh, sequel. <clears throat> good. But other than that, we might as well move on. To St. Trinians. Yes, so we will have a break and we will come back with St. Trinians. Oh, Love the new packaging, girls, but what about the problems we had with the last batch? Problem flesh? Yeah, the slightly bitter aftertaste, people going blind after the second glass. That lady, what, died? She's old. She could have gone at any time. She was 38. Yeah? Anushka, come here, girl. Abramovich. Ah. <gasps> Stupid. You're right. No problem, Flash. Yeah. Have we got something to do with him? That's permanent. 
Stephen Cole. So this was my pick in the heist genre season. Surprise, surprise. Surprisingly. Um, also, shockingly, I am not a big heist movie fanatic. So I had a little bit of a look and I was like, oh, do I know any of these heist films? <clears throat> and lo and behold, St. Trinian's came up. Mm. Now, this came out in 2007. It was directed by Barnaby Thompson and Oliver Parker. And I remember when this was being filmed. And I remember that when this was being filmed because it was all over like Heat magazine. So when this came out, I was like, I need to go see this film. So it is based off the original comics that came out a very, very long time ago. And basically, the Girls of St. Trinian's find out that their school is going bankrupt and they need to get raise money to be able to save it. Because if they can't go to St. Trinian's, where pretty much anything goes, they say that they'll have to go to normal schools where there's rules and proper uniforms and they can't be with their friends. So they decide to do an art heist in the National Gallery in London and they decide to steal the painting the girl with the pearl earring. Yes. That is the basic premise of this. It has a very big all-star cast. Um, loads of different people, including uh, Elon Musk's twice-divorced ex-wife, Tallulah Riley. Really? Oh, yeah. She married Elon Musk, and then she divorced him. And then they got married again, and then they divorced again. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Rupert Everett, Gemma Arterton. Doctor Who herself, Jodie Whittaker, um, Juno Temple. There's literally Lily Cole, Paloma Faith. There's so many different people who you know in like British cinema Yeah. in this film. Um, so you can watch it and you'll be like, oh, I know them. Oh, I know them. It's fun. Uh, which I know is a description that we don't like to use, but it is a fun film for yeah. me. It's a heist film for people who probably don't really want to watch a heist film. Yeah. But it has all the key ingredients. It has the plan. It has the reason why they're doing the plan. They get the team together. They go and they execute the plan. But there's like hiccups and how do they get out of these situations? And then they execute the plan. And what, what they do after. Everything that you have said is needed in a heist film. It is a heist This movie. film has. And then it has Russell Brand just being Russell Brand Russell in 2007. Brand's a big, big, big thing back then. He was, but he's blatantly just dressed in his own wardrobe, swanning around. Um, so we watched this film. Mm-hmm. I didn't write a huge amount of notes. At one point, I wrote the iconic Stephen Fry. <laughs> and uh, Rupert Everett, he plays both. Frittens. Yes. He plays um really uh Miss Fritton, the headmistress of um St. Trinian's, which you probably guessed by this, but they based the whole wardrobe and the look on Camilla Parker Bowles. Oh, you can definitely see that. You can definitely see that. Actually looks a bit like Camilla Parker Bowles yeah, in which, face as well. Yeah, very much. It's the hair, it's the queen headscarf, yeah. but then the juicy couture velour tracksuit, the constant smoking of the yeah. woodbind. I love her. 
Um, it is very, very much of the early noughties. It is. Very, very much of the early noughties, especially as when you get to know the characters and everybody has their subgroup of mm. friends from um, the posh totty, the, the um, geeks, the chavs, to the emos, which, of course, was me. Very, very of that time. The whole soundtrack brilliant <laughs> the soundtrack is great and you laugh but why would you not just want to have girls allowed on the entire time because i was a huge girls allowed fan but for me um watching this film was a really big shot of nostalgia mm. and what i liked about it was it took bits from other action films and other heist films that you knew about and i did try and kind of write down what some of the films that they sort of reference. So they do reference a lot of Pride and Prejudice because this was after the 1996 yeah. Pride and Prejudice film, which kind of made Colin Firth a bit of a sex symbol, yep. including getting him to reenact his walking out of the water scene. They also uh, do The Italian Job. They do Mission Impossible. I can't remember the film, but the film, uh, Robin Williams, and he says, he's on the radio, and he says, good morning, Vietnam. Jesus, that is, right, I wrote <laughs> that, but then I was like, I don't feel like that's the that, that's the film title, and I could not remember for the life of me. So that's just like four of the films yeah. it references, but there's going to be so many more that I missed. Oh, yeah. But I kind of like that. It's the, the poking fun at the genre, but still also staying very true to it. You had never seen this film. I had never seen this film. How much do you want to divorce me after <laughs> seeing this? Because I do feel a little bit like this may have been one of the, not the worst film, not the worst one for me, but probably one of the worst films I've ever made you sit through, barring Empire Records, because you hated Empire Records. Empire Records is garbage. I love Empire Records. Right. So, St. Trinian's. It's... <laughs> the scorn <laughs> dripping from his words. It's no, not really. It's, it's one of those films that I'm actually happy exists. And. I'm waiting for the sarcasm. I'm so, I'm so happy it exists. But no, no sarcasm at all because it's so perfectly engineered to satisfy all the quadrants of the really niche demographic of which it's trying to appeal to. Your wife and tween girls. <laughs> well, yeah. It, it does. Yeah, it's exactly that. And you can see how a film like this can get such a, a cultish following because I actually logged onto Letterbox. Oh, did you? Um, to, to see, well, just to get a barometer of, of people's reactions to it. And there are way more five-star reviews for this than I expected. Like 13% <laughs> of the actual overall votes mm -hmm. are five-star reviews. Okay. And it's very, it's a repetitive, like, oh, this this was like slumber party. Yeah. All the time. It's like, oh, me and my friends used to watch it all. You know what I mean? It was, it's very much just perfectly hitting the, that, that demographic. It's hitting that teenage girl demographic perfectly mm -hmm. and yeah and, and that's not a bad thing every film shouldn't have to appeal to the masses yeah and just because it isn't made for me and like when i didn't connect with it which 
I'm a 35-year-old man. It's not designed to appeal to me. No. Um, it doesn't make it a bad movie. Were there bits though that you did enjoy? Oh, I mean, I, I enjoyed like the high campness of it all. It's very high camp. I, I, it did make me chuckle a couple of times um, through through it, and, and enough to make it not a waste of time. And mm-hmm. I, I, that may seem a bit flippant, but it's not meant to be. Yeah, it's just like it, it was enough to keep my attention. Yeah, and yeah, it's. It seems a bit of like a tween girl fantasy. Mm-hmm. I think it's again like those twelve to fourteen year old girls can watch this and then talk about how much they wish they could go to a school like Saint Trinian's. Yeah. Um, and as you said, it's sort of a time, mostly through the music, and it must have been made in that short few years where Lily Allen was like the biggest. Recording artist yeah. in the country because definitely got that. It's got a lot of that. It was literally like I remember when, like I said, I remember it was being filmed. They literally kind of just took people who were in Heat magazine mm. and put them in this film to the point where there's a scene where they're running up Trafalgar Square from the bus, and you can actually see the real policeman holding people like behind barricades because they filmed it on like a normal like Wednesday afternoon or something like that. And they just said, I remember them having these pictures in and the actress saying, we just had to do it again and again. And then there was literally just like 40 or 50 girls in school, random school uniforms because none of the children's uniforms match each other. Mm. They all have their individual style, every single person running up these steps basically just screaming yeah and they just said that they had so many people just like staring at them (laughs) and being like what on earth are they doing but yeah it is it is very like it's it sounds so it sounds so corny to say this i feel like it's very girl power oh and i can see that and but again it's it's very girl make your own identity Mm-hmm. Um, which I, which is something that it's a message that I like about it. Mm-hmm. Like I say again, I like that this film exists because mm-hmm. it does have that power. Yeah. Um, I also like that it's Colin Firth just before his career <laughs> sort of changed and he became a well-respected actor. Because this came <laughs> yeah. out in like, what, 2007? 2007. And I'd probably say it was 2009 as a single man where people started really beginning to take him seriously and look at him thinking, do you know what? He's actually a very, very good actor. I mean, yes, we've got we've got the um, sequel to Mamma Mia in whatever, but like it was... And Bridget Jones's Diary. And Bridget Jones's Diary. Because he basically, so, 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 he rode that Darcy train for a long time. But like, yeah, he it's then he went on to do Single Man, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Be, so, like, he went to do more seriously drama stuff, but it's kind of nice to see his playful <clears throat> side. Yeah. Um, and there's a few other points, but what I'm actually amazed at is how this hasn't been adapted to a TV series yet. Do you know what? It, I think it probably would be very good as a TV I'm series. Sure. It's, it's either you could have, like, a even a bit more of a all ages one but even something on like a cbb's kind of a tv show like you have like the hackers the people on youtube 
they've like up, it'd be very easy to update it. Yeah. To have like the people who like the influencers, people who are like doing this, people who are doing this, is people mining Bitcoin and everything. Yeah, and, and that's it. So I'm, that's something I'm amazed by. But yeah, you see, it's not for me. It wasn't for me, and like I can't say that I, I was like, it's a good movie for me. If but, I said. I don't feel very well. I really want to watch a film with you and I really want to watch St. Trinian's. Will you sit down and watch the second The Curse of Fretting's Gold with me? (laughs) Are you planning on being ill any time recently? (laughs) Anytime soon? Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. That one has David Tennant and a pirate ship. Uh, I'd watch it. I'd watch anything once. And of course, Rupert Everett in more drag. What more could you want from a film? He the plays strange drag thing, The well. strange thing about that is that he actually looks younger in the drag than he actually does as a man. <laughs> he does. He looks better in drag. He looks great in drag. The padding is perfect. And the way he just sort of like floats about the place. Um, I feel the only thing that we really need to talk about on this film, which was very much of its time, is there are certain parts where you think this is not. Are we, talking about, are we talking about Russell Brand and Jim Arterton in a school uniform? And they're thinking, well, she's in school and Russell Brand's obviously in his late 20s. Yeah, that doesn't... So I remember watching it and probably being about the same sort of, like, what, 2007? How long ago was that? That was... 15 years. 15 years. So I was... 20. 18, 19. 19. Oh, no, I was 20. Yeah, so about 18, 19. So I was either in sixth form yeah. or had literally just left sixth form. Yeah. So for anybody who's not in the UK, you're in our sixth form system until you are 18. And then when you, your first year of uni, you turn 19. So I was probably about the same sort of age as what she was supposed to be. I think so. It's just that I don't, I really wish that she said that because otherwise she's going to be 16. And he's going to be like. Well, because yeah. she's head girl. To me, I, I saw that as, okay, so she's head girl, so she must be, like, the last year. But, but yeah, but, again, she's the only character who seems to be that age. No, no. The posh totties are also... Oh, that's true. They are. They're they're at least... Because, yeah... Well, they've you, got to be 18. They've got they're... to be 18 because they are running a sex hotline. Yeah. Um. So, yeah... There's that. There's maybe yeah. There's very f- and then uh, Tallulah Riley's character must also be eighteen. I don't think she is. I don't, Do you I not think she's think meant to be? Eight, she's eighteen. This. See, I always thought that she was supposed to be eighteen in this. Failing that, she was literally just one year younger. Mm. But um, it would have been easier for it. I mean, don't be wrong. Again, it shouldn't have to because it's made for. It's not made for men to perv on the young girls in girl in in girl no. school girl uniforms. You know what I mean? So, is a is for its audience. It doesn't have to. No, it doesn't. But then itself. I also feel like for young girls, it would then they would then also be like, oh well, I'm in school. Yeah, so and he's twenty five. And I'm going to take a really bad role model from St. Trinian's and go, well, her boyfriend was obviously like in yeah. his 20s. Do you know what I mean? There's that, there's the age gap type thing. Whereas when you're that age and you're 18 and you're going out and you're going to clubs and you're doing everything and you are basically being a grown up, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you're technically still not a grown up. You're still not legally adult until you turn 21. So 
there's that funny sort of grey area that I think the early noughties people probably would have been like, ah, oh, it's fine. Then, you know, because they're both adult actors, it's okay. Because mm. um, there's a scene where she's driving, so she has to be over, she has to be like 17 or over. So there's yeah. a scene where she's driving, so that's fine. But um, yeah, there's that bit where you're a little bit like, oh, bit bit dodgy. There's Good also um, Jodie Whittaker's receptionist just yeah. constantly on drugs and talking about passion <laughs> and come downs and and giving Stephen Fry drugs. It's, it's, it's giving Stephen Fry antidepressants <laughs> and the fact that he is a manic depressive in real life just did actually kind of make me chuckle. Yeah, and her really bad orange fake tan. Yeah. That's why I didn't, I didn't recognise, realise it was Georgia Whitaker for years mm. until I was like, oh my God, it is actually her. And then the final scenes. Girls are loud. Of course, yeah. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I love this film. I think it's a great heist film. I think it's a good entry heist film. No, I get that. It's a... it's a happy heist film because I love you, honey, but you like your depressing films. I like drama. I also like drama, but sometimes I'd like to smile. <laughs> Why don't you do it more when I talk? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, no, as I said, it's one of those movies where I get I, I can't I can't really say anything bad about it because it's completely not made for me. If it, I love it, that. I love the fact that I've won. It's it's one of those. It's, uh, <laughs> it's but no. Have you anything else to add? Um, no, a lot of the stuff that I sort of read about it was that there's like the Ladies Cheltenham College, which is a real, real school. They based uh, uh, Miss Fritton on Camilla Parker Bowles. They did all the Darcy references because a lot of the cast either were in Pride and Prejudice or actually went on to be in Pride mm. and Prejudice adaptions. Um, yeah, I just, I like the film. I think it's a fun film. You Like I said, you, you're having a sleepover, watch it. Yeah. Great. I don't know how many people who listen to this actually will be having a tween sleepover. But if you are, watch it. It's great. <laughs> you won't regret it. If you're a 12-year-old girl, why the hell are you listening to this podcast? Because they have taste. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but no, I, well, I think that's it for another episode. I think it is. We're going to come back next week with another one. I haven't chose my film yet. Which is a shame because I've chose my last film. I know. I'm... I'm... And mine's controversial yet again. I've got four that I'm feeling... You can't have all four. They're all different eras, and I'm just trying to pick it. So it's going to be a surprise for listeners next week of what what we're going to cover. I picked my last film, and um, it's a heist film. It is. It's one that nobody would ever think to be a heist film. I feel like it's maybe controversial. Yes. Uh, but it's also, I feel, very in line with the type of films that I would uh, normally pick. 100%. And I guess that's it. That's it. So we will, we will be back next week. Yes. With another on episode. Time. On time. With another episode. And that's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. See you later. <laughs>